This is the Wesson Walker Show. All right, biggest accomplishment overall for Steve Wilkes. And it doesn't have to be a game, right? It can be the improvement and succeeding with Sam Darnold in those six games. It can be the rushing defense. It can be allowing Deontay Foreman to flourish. It could be a whole bunch of different. It's West stuff. Well, good Lord, you took everything we could say, eight mile. <laughs> And Walker. Tell these people something they don't know about them. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. That's exactly what that was. Welcome back, folks, to the Halloween edition. <laughs> of the <laughs> Walker Show. I like it. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We got the thrill of Michael Jackson playing. I'm going to save my comments about Michael Jackson to myself. But uh, nonetheless, very festive music for the occasion. Yeah, you have to play it. You know, I know it's Halloween. Sure, you could roll your eyes and say, this is so cliche. Everybody does it. That's still a scary video, though, to this day. Especially with the Vincent Price laugh at the end. Wes, sometimes you're hard to figure out, my man. You don't Sometime. think that's a scary video? No. At I all? Don't. Thriller? No. Well, Michael Jackson at the end when he turns around and they freeze the shot and he's got the teeth and all that and then the Vincent Price laugh? I want everybody to understand that this take is coming from the guy who has multiple times on these airways <laughs> said Michael Myers is his guy. You know what? And how much he likes slasher movies. And now he's saying a music video from, what, the 80s? Yeah. Is scary. <laughs> I can't get on board. Well, I'm saying the slashers, though, like I said in the fishbowl, they're predictable. Uh, a lot of times you know what's coming. Like when you watch Halloween, you know what's coming, man. You know when they're walking down a dark alley and the music starts getting tense. You know Michael Myers is going to pop out and give you that work. You know that. I'm oh, just saying that the Thriller video, was it was a little demonic. I don't want to take time away from Campus Corner. Okay. But I am surprised that I have not told you my Thriller story. Okay. I have a Thriller story. Right. Is it thrilling? Uh, do you want to save it or do you want to tell it now? You kind of want me to save it, don't you? Well, I'm just saying. You just, <laughs> no, you just brought up about cutting into it's, campus it's, corner. It's really, it's really short. My, my we're about to talk about a scary topic. So my, my thriller story is one time at good old Bunker Hill basketball madness. Mm-hmm. We hosted this event at 10:30 after the football game, trying to get everybody pepped up, ready to go. And of course, it's around Halloween, and so the whole basketball team danced the thriller routine and my job not only was you know cutting a rug out there on the basketball court of course i'm going to do that but the way that i did so was afterwards i moonwalked around the whole team oh in front of the whole school that happened i promise are we going to get this on social media i promise you the thing is Everything is carpet around here. I don't know where I can. I can't what do you do it need to do it? They got hardwood in the break room. The break there. room, maybe. Maybe. I, I don't in know if socks. I can still do it. It's been a long time. But that did happen. I promise you. I moonwalked in front of the whole school and around the team. Just put a nice little exclamation point we on the dance that. routine. Hey, that listen. Happened. DJ Skinner said it perfectly. Like I said, you might have been a young buck back in the day. And I you didn't born. see the video. But he said, DJ Skinner said, that video was cutting edge and scary as hell when we were younger. And Fishing Lake Norman says the same thing. Uh, it definitely was, man. When you were young back then, watch that video. Like I said, that Vincent Price laugh uh, was no joke. But let's get to some other scary stuff as we go to the campus. Kona! All right. 
Clemson Tiger fans, it's about to get real spooky right now. I wish we had something that we could play about. Ha, 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 ha. That's scary, too. The Vincent Tigers the might not make a bowl game the way things are going. Ah, ha. All right, that's it. Uh, they lost to NC State this past weekend. The game concluded Clemson's streak of 161 games since losing consecutive games in a single season, a streak that dated back to November 2011. And what a perfect segue because Dabo Sweeney on Dabo. his coach's show went off on a caller who was being, in his mind, ungrateful about the success that he's brought to the Tigers. Let's play the phone call, and then we'll play Dabo's response. I respect the fact that you're a man of faith. I'm curious if you've ever read Proverbs 16:18, which talks about pride coming before the fall. Something changed after 2018. You're humble, you're hungry, and everything, and something changed. And there seems to be a lot of arrogance that came in. There was a lot of friends and family. I mean, three of the ten on-field football coaches are external, experienced hires. Everyone else was an internal hire that had no experience before or was a former player or friend. So I'm curious, why are we paying you $11.5 million to go 4-4? Four and four? And it's not just this year. It's been just the refusal to accept. All right, all right. What's this guy's name? Tyler. Hey, Tyler. This is enough for you, Tyler. Listen, man, I I did not hear what the caller said when I listened to it last night because I listened to the entire five-minute response from Dabo. That caller, I would have been hot about that too. Now, even though he was bringing facts to the table, that was definitely a guy that was angry with what was going on, and he was coming at Dabo's neck, so Dabo had some response for him. He gave him all the smoke that he was looking for. Let me tell you something. We won 11 games last year, and you're part of the problem, to be honest with you, because that is part of the problem. The expectation is greater than the appreciation, mm. and that's the problem. And so, you know, we've won 12 10-plus win year, seasons in a row. That's happened three times in 150 years. So if you want to know why, Clemson ain't sniff a national championship for 35 years. We've mm. won two in seven years. And there's only two other teams that can say that, Georgia and Alabama. Okay? Is this a bad year? Yeah. And it's my responsibility. Take 100% responsibility for it. But all this bull crap you're thinking, all these narratives you read, listen, man, you can have your opinion all you want. And you can apply for the job. And good luck to you. But to answer your question, all right, we're second in draft picks. We've graduated 98% of our guys. We're second in wins. All right? Frank Howard never had a bad year. Coach Ford never had a bad year. Coach K has never had a bad year in basketball. People have a bad year. I got to say, I agree with them 100%. As I just said on the stat, the loss NC State concluded Clemson's streak of 161 games since losing consecutive games in a single season. November 2011 was the last time that this happened for the Tigers. I get the call that they're frustrated with the season they're having, but every great coach, when they've been at a place for a very long time, is going to have some down years. Walker, you put it beautifully when we were talking pre-show and uh, give me your take on this and what happened. With well, it. yeah. So what I was saying in the pre-show was that every fan base lives long enough to see themselves become the villain. Because now Tyler is so, so intrigued enough in this conversation to the point where he is compelled to call in and tell Dabo that he's not worth his salary after a 4-4 four and four start to the season. 
And, you know, when Tyler thinks that he has all of these facts and he thinks he has all this evidence to come at <laughs> big old Dabo Sweeney, he might get the salary right. Says that he respects he's a man of faith and he wants to mention a Proverbs Bible verse. And I guess that's going to sweeten the evidence that he brings to the table. But then he wants to say that it's not just this year that's been bad. It's been happening. Y'all destroyed North Carolina last year in the ACC championship game. Yes. Y'all destroyed them <laughs> and had an 11 win season. And Tyler wants to call in and say, hey, Dabo, it's been happening like, you got some real evidence that this guy just is a different man these days. Doesn't feel like he's the same Dabo Sweeney that he was in 2018, 2019, winning some championships, getting to the college football playoff. It's hilarious. The lack of self-awareness on who they are now and who they were before Dabo took over. And look, man, Dabo, <laughs> I don't know if I really have any problem with what he said. Yeah. I really don't. Because as far as coaching salaries go, if you think that coaches make too much money, okay, that's a separate conversation. But relatively, comparatively, Dabo deserves every single penny he's getting because of the way that the pay scale is structured. Because Dabo came into Clemson, South Carolina and won two championships and anything less than a double-digit win season is now a disappointment at that school where y'all used to have a bad verb no, I just it's hilarious that you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. You're so compelled to call in and then talk that ish to your coach. Yes. After the first time, you're not going to reach double digit wins in over a decade. <laughs> Tyler, my man. <laughs> Goodness gracious. You need to be self-aware. Pretty, let's hit a flex real quick when Dabo talked about the fact that he's never failed at anything in his life. I'm 53 years old. I have been a part of failure many times, but there ain't one thing in my life that I've ever failed at, Tyler. I wanted to get an education. I got two degrees. I wanted to be the first college of my graduate with my family. I did it. I wanted to go play football at Alabama. I earned a scholarship, later yeah. three years. Worked my ass off. Won a national championship. I wanted to get into coaching. I worked my way to being a head coach. And when I got this job, and I'm sure you didn't want me to get this job, and 15 years later, I'm still here, and I'd say the results are what they are, and I stand on them. I wanted to get married. I've been married for going on 30 years. I wanted to be a father. I've raised three great sons. If you don't like how I run the program, don't be a fan. I don't care. But I'm the head coach, and I'm going to do what I believe is right for the long term of this program, what's best for the players, and what I think is best for the moment. If you got a problem with that, that's fine. But you're not, I'm not going to sit here and let you call. I don't give a crap how much money I make. You ain't going to talk to me like I'm 12 years old. Mm. Be freaking kidding me. Amen. I mean, I got to, <laughs> you know, I, I love it when coaches speak their mind and they say things that the average person thinks but maybe necessarily won't say or that the average person does say that a person of his stature won't say, man. And, and it is. Sometimes people do need to get checked like that, man, because people think when you're in certain positions and things of that nature that they can do what you do and they think that they can just speak to you however you want to. I mean, we have texters that hit us up sometimes and feel like they can just say whatever the hell they want to say to us and it's okay. So Go anyway, scratch yourself. <laughs> I appreciate what Dabble had to say. And real quick, um, I was going to say, when you look at Cade Klubnick and what he's done uh, for one uh, against Miami, when Dabble said we didn't hand the ball off on what everybody thought was maybe a read option, but Klubnick decided to keep the football instead, ended in disaster. And this is a guy that has five touchdown passes in his last five games. 
I said it before that I didn't think he was going to finish his career in Clemson. I saw Jordan Leggett, I believe, a great Clemson tight end, talked about on Twitter saying it's about time to get seven up out of there. I'm I'm paraphrasing there, but he said that he was tired of seeing him at quarterback. So Clemson fans, do you see a future with Cade Clubney? Do you feel like with better weapons around it, maybe he would be better? I just don't think that he's the guy for the job. The Miami blunder, to me, was the last nail in the coffin. Uh, and Clemson's definitely going to have to figure out something. If Vazena's ready to go next year, a kid that I really liked coming out of high school, we'll see. But Dabo may have to hit the portal to find his next signal caller to bridge that gap maybe before Vazena's ready or whatever four- to five-star quarterback that he brings in uh, to follow up here. But what do you think about Cade Klubnik and his future at Clemson. Well, yeah, it, it's it's not great. I, I don't know because of Dabo's disregard of the transfer portal that he's going to look for a starting QB or if there's going to be somebody that comes in that is good enough to take the job away from one Cade Klubnik immediately. And so I think maybe you just might have him starting at QB next season if the this thing goes completely off the rails. We have seen good performances from Cade before. The problem is the inconsistency is absolutely here with your starting quarterback. Last thing I'll say about the Dabo stuff is I want people to realize too, and I think most people do, Dabo Sweeney is enough of an interesting character to where I would watch the hell out of a three-part 30-for-30 series on this guy, at least with his upbringing, with what he's been able to do with Clemson, and a lot of his upbringing, a lot of his experiences... I could hear that coming out in his retort to Tyler calling in to Tiger calls because this is someone that did have to work for everything growing up poor. His mom was a part-time substitute teacher, had to work for everything he possibly could, did make the Alabama football team as a walk-on receiver. He was not awarded this big old scholarship where everything was spoon-fed to him. He had to go earn it. And so honestly, I think because of that, a lot of those upbringings have led to him making some social climate issues that I have not been a fan of. There are things that you can criticize Dabo for. But when you want to, and by the way, I'm going to have a little bit of a feeling that Tyler isn't criticizing Dabo for the same things that we are. Yeah. Whether it be the comments on the social climate or whether it be his disregard for the transfer portal. It seems like Tyler's all about that. Seems like Tyler's like, hell yeah. <laughs> I, uh, let's hire from in-house. This is what I want Clemson football to be about. And so the fact that Tyler calls in and then is mad at a 4-4 four and four record and now, like, people are saying he made good points. Where? I heard none. Did he make good points? Yeah, really? I like, it seems none. like people are trying to camouflage their, uh, their, it feels no like, yeah, neutrality. Yeah, no doubt. Like, no, there, there's nothing here that was a good point to I me. I said forever. Tyler. That was one of the reasons I didn't go to Clemson. They recruited me and I said to myself, you know, this is always going to be a mediocre program at that time when Coach Bowden had it. It didn't look like there was a lot going on there. And I always felt like this was a program that when they had a seasoned, experienced team, they'd win nine, ten games, maybe go to a bowl game after January 1. But other than that, this was going to be a seven to nine win program year in and year out. Never thought Clemson would have reached the heights that they have. But when we come back on the Weston Walker Show, second trade Tuesday, will the Panthers make some moves today on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Walker 
Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We have been talking about it all day. The scariest things in sports. I have been revealing either a workshop list or things that I thought of coming in to the studio today. I have a few more scary things in sports to reveal to you. Fiddy is going to tell me whether he thinks it's a good one or a bad one. Uh, one thing that's scary for me right now is my bet with Fiddy after the Hornets lose their second game of the season. Um, Ron Rivera awarding a Spartanburg MVP before the regular season starts. That's a scary one. Firing up the Bally Sports app right before an important game. Yeah. Scary proposition last one. Joey Sly with a critical kick to win the game. Scariest things in sports for one Walker mail. You got like anything it. else, Wes? Uh, I didn't have anything, but I saw on the text line that Gordon asked uh, an interesting question. If Cade did transfer, he said that Cade Klubnik can transfer to Charlotte. Would you welcome that? 100%. (laughs) Would I take a quarterback that has been good in ACC spots, even if he hasn't been as good as what people at Clemson would hope he'd be? Yeah, I have not lived long enough to see myself become the villain yet. Like, I I haven't lived that long, okay? Honestly, with any sports franchise that I pull for, how in the world... (laughs) I want a playoff series for the Hornets. Like, I... If you get to a playoff series, I'm going to treat you well. I'm going to justify your $11.5 million a year salary, Steve Clifford. I'm going to do that for you. Charlotte, Biff Pogey, I know you're not making $11.5 million. I'll ask for it if you get us to <laughs> a bowl game yeah. again. Yeah. Conference I, championship game. I don't have a lot of success with my sports team. Yeah. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Club Nick. I'd take him at Wake, though, just because he's better than what we have. You I wouldn't be now. thrilled about it, but... Well, see, and you, I was wondering if you got a little taste of that success, and now you don't know what these peasants that deal with bad quarterbacks <laughs> have to deal with. Yeah, you know, with Wake, with the amount of bowl games and the bowl record that Clawson has put up, but, you know, Wake isn't that kind of a fan base, and that's why, I think that's one of the reasons why he loves being there, is that it's not to that point yet to where fans are like, when, Coach, you going to win something? If he had gotten a couple of ACC championships, maybe, but... Uh, no, nah, I wake, man. You know, we temper expectations. We are very, a very grateful fan base. <laughs> it does seem. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you guys have. You guys aren't annoying. I, I think that's why people like Wake Forest and like, for the most part. When yeah, Pac-Man used to always call him Switzerland. That's what it is. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think most people. Now, maybe people have found you annoying during success. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like Switzerland. I know label. you don't. I don't like that our fans are nice. I, I, I know you don't. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. gone to some stadiums and it made is sure so, I was not nice. I don't think we've talked enough about how different your personality is coming from Wake Forest com- compared to everybody else <laughs> that associates themselves with the Demon Demons. Yeah, man. I don't like it. I wish our fan base was a little nastier, a little more demanding. Now, they they were about as ornery as I've seen them Saturday. They were booing the hell out of Mitch Griffiths, man. They, they had had enough, and that's something you rarely see with Wake. But when it games, they're not loud enough. They don't want to intimidate the other team. They don't want to say anything bad. I remember one time when I went to Florida State when they shut out Florida State, and it was the first shutout in Bobby Bowden's history. I thought I was going to get jumped on the way to my car. I talked so much trash. I stood in the middle of the aisle in the stadium on the steps and was just yelling at the top of my lungs, talking so much trash mm-hmm. to Florida State fans. The Wake fans were looking at me. I was like, the hell y'all looking at? Like, you, and, you and Chris Paul? 
Yeah, we should all be doing this. You and I, I feel like you guys are the representatives yeah. of what Wake Forest should yeah, be. That, that's why when we are good, people like to pat us on the hand and say, oh, look at old cute Wake. Nah, don't pat me on the head. Yeah. That's what I want to say. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you stopped yourself. <laughs> but it does feel like you are the guys to put the demon in yeah, Demon Deacons. For sure. We need a little bit of that. Happy Halloween from yes, Wesson Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 <laughs> WFNZ. It was Second Take Tuesday earlier it's second trade Tuesday on this trade deadline day. We haven't had any breaking news sound bites come in. We have given you some updates on trades that took place via the Fitty Flash. Haven't had any big time trades come through in the last couple of hours. I think the deadline, it's usually at 4 p.m. Is that still true for this year? So yes. 4 p.m. is the deadline. And I think Carolina is a team that could get involved. There are a couple of pieces that it wouldn't surprise me if they're traded. Ultimately, you're always going to err on the side of probably won't get done because it's hard to make trades. Both sides have to agree on giving something up and getting something in return to the point where you feel like you either win the trade. And that's hard to do with smart people and in people of uh, power like they are with the um, personnel decisions. These uh, these these GMs, these director of football operations, Dante Jackson is one. Um We've talked about Jeremy Chin before. Let's get to the big one here. There's no way Brian Burns is dealt at this point, right? It, it feels like a lot of that smoke has started to drift away after maybe we had it with some of the initial reports from Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano. I, I thought there was going to be a possibility, but here we are just a couple of hours before the deadline. Haven't heard enough about it to the point where I think he's gone. I think they're going to hold on to their star edge rusher. Uh, yeah, I would probably go maybe... 75-25. I think there's still a chance a that somebody chance. could come in uh, at the last minute, a contender. And I mean 75-25, 75% being that they keep him. But I still think there are teams that could be looking for that extra pass rusher because I did see the odds, the Vegas odds for Brian Burns being dealt yesterday. They had the Ravens uh, at the top of the list. And so I do think that there could be a contender that could feel like he could be uh, one of the missing links on their defense to be able to go. And as I just look right now, and I look as he's trending on Twitter, uh, I see him in a San Francisco 49ers uniform. <laughs> they have one picture of him uh, up there. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to completely rule it out because there could be a team that comes through at the last minute and says, hey, man, let's let's just mortgage this year's first round because we don't feel like we'll find a better guy in the draft than him. Let's go get him. We've heard enough about him. I'm still surprised that we haven't heard a lot more mm -hmm. because if the Carolina Panthers had not agreed to a contract with Brian Burns yet, then you would think another team would start calling and there'd be some real momentum gained, especially with some teams in the NFC that see a real chance to win this thing. I think San Francisco losing a couple of games in a row might've given some teams hope, whether it be false or whether it be real, Seattle is one where here they are. It, it, Seattle's a good football team, but no disrespect, but they've also squeaked by barely on a couple of these games. It feels like they're within reach. Philadelphia with their record right now feel mm -hmm. like the consensus favorite as they deserve to be with that record. Only one loss so far, but it does feel like there are some teams that could win the Super Bowl with it being a little more wide open. Right? Who's who's the dominant team that you just think, oh, yeah, they're going to they're going to run through everybody. Kansas City is usually the squad. But this is as weak as we've seen their offense because they don't have a lot of star power on the outside. So if it's not Travis Kelsey, we've seen what happens when he's hurt and can't play. Yeah. They're not putting up a lot of points. 
still respect the hell out of them. They're still going to be a team that you are worried about in the Super Bowl. But Philadelphia running it back, that that's about the squad you have to go with, Wes. And so because of that, I thought maybe some of some other franchises would look at Carolina, would see that they're 0-6, even if they're not playing for a first-round pick this year. They'd say, okay, maybe even because of that, we'll give you a first-round pick, something else, something more, and we'll take your star edge rusher that you don't want to pay $30 million a year. We think he is that valuable because of age, because of him being on pace for double-digit sacks, whatever their reason is. I thought we'd hear something a little more like that as the deadline approaches. Yeah, and as we sit here right now and look at the Super Bowl odds across the consensus of the top uh, gambling houses that I like to call them, uh, the Chiefs and the Eagles are tied in odds to be the favorite to win the Super Bowl, followed by the 49ers, at, uh, because the Eagles and Chiefs are at plus 500 on most boards, then the 49ers at plus 650, Dolphins at plus 900 to 1,000, and then the Cowboys at plus 850 to 1,000, to 1,100 actually, so those are your most current odds, but yeah, with the Panthers, as far as them being uh, movers and shakers, I, I don't think at this point, especially with you only having a second through a six, and then you have that 49ers fifth rounder, Tennessee's fifth rounder, Arizona sixth rounder. I'm not sure that they can be fairly aggressive, but uh, I think as far as them trading some guys, now maybe I'm not a thousand percent sure on the NFL rules, but maybe if they do trade a couple of guys and get some capital, maybe if they wanted to turn around and flip that into a guy, maybe they could, but. Um, what do you mean, getting a couple of traffic? Like if you get, like, like let's say they traded Brian Burns for a one and a three or something like that, and then they could pack up the three that they got in said trade, then add a second rounder to it and go get maybe a T. Higgins or something like that. Like I was just thinking, I, I'm I'm not 100% sure. No, you happens. can do it. It's just more basketball related. Like, yeah. and, and we even, you know, it, it was funny to see the, the first basketball related NFL trade that I can remember is when Houston just dumped Brock Osweiler's salary onto Cleveland. Yeah. And it's not like Cleveland had any intention of using Brock Osweiler as their starting QB. Houston just wanted to get off the salary. And so they were able to get a few picks that doesn't happen in the NFL. It does in basketball all the time. So I didn't know if there'd be anything like that, but you're right to get more picks, whether you use them for an existing player or use them as what they're intended to be draft picks, then maybe that's something that would interest Carolina. Just haven't heard a ton after these initial reports. Now we do know that Kirk cousins is out for the season. And despite my constant disrespect for middle-of-the-road quarterbacks, I will say Kirk Cousins was not playing at a middle-of-the-road level. All the respect to what Kirk Cousins has been doing the last couple of years, shocker. I thought Kirk Cousins was playing really good football. I don't know why. You know, I don't I don't want to debate QBs. We're not. I'm, I'm Fitty chilling. wants to. No, Fiddy wants he's He's chomping at the bit. No, I, I'm I, not. I know how you feel about Kirk Cousins. No, I'm not. I just heard a noise, and I didn't know what that noise was that I heard. It was me gasping. Oh, okay. You looked like you were about ready to scrap over Kirk Cousins. No, that noise just caught me by surprise. I didn't know if I know something bad was happening to one of you. And then, <laughs> but maybe, maybe, and I'm surprised because you're actually giving a quarterback props, which doesn't happen on the show. One that you actually don't <laughs> like. One that you actually continue to try to hold down all the time. It's really weird, honestly. But yes, I thought Kirk Cousins was playing really good football. But to bring this back to the actual conversation. You've seen them in talks with New Orleans reportedly and that they're really trying to get something done to acquire Jameis Winston. Carolina's got one. 
Carolina's got a backup QB that played in New Orleans last year and it was pretty good when he was playing with New Orleans. Wes, right at the deadline, at the buzzer, should the Panthers call Minnesota to see if they can make something shake by trading Andy Dalton to Minnesota? Uh, I don't think so because based off some of the conversations that were had with us pre-show, I think that uh, it could maybe he could have some value if something were to happen to Bryce Young because I'm like, if you do trade him, what will you do for your backup? You're like, you're definitely going to go get a jag if you get rid of Andy Dalton. I don't know who you yeah, go the season's get. over anyway. Tell me! that's a great one it's been a while but right like if right that's my thing if Bryce Young goes down then you're right you're probably starting Jacob Eason right or just going to get a guy off the street walk a mail I don't know I would love it I would take the the contract I'd love it it's probably like what five hundred thousand dollars I'd take that and you know why people love Jacob Eason Walker He's a tall man. And he's got a big-ass arm. Yeah, that's what it is. It's like I, when Jacob Eason was suiting up for the Panthers or when they acquired him, it was like, look, the guy's tall. He's got a big arm. And really, really, they stopped at tall. And I was like, hell, I'm tall. Right. <laughs> if, you, if you're handing out contracts for just eating your vegetables as a kid, then I'll wave my hand up and try to get this money. By the way, I mean, let's just say, God forbid, they trade away Andy Dalton. And then Icky misses a block. Bryce Young gets hurt. We can always bring back Luke Walton, baby. Luke Walton. Yep. After coaching for Sacramento and Golden State, he would be the starting quarterback for this <laughs> now, Carolina Panthers He would Panthers definitely team. be a tall quarterback. Luke Walton would yes, absolutely would. be a, a tall quarterback. Um, but let's just say, even if it's not Jacob Eason, even if it's not Luke Walton or Jake Luton, whoever you want to call him, it doesn't really matter in my opinion. Like, I, I know... There is a message sent to the rest of the players on the roster that shows that you don't really care. I get that. But, man, this is a team that the way they made their bed, there's not so many picks laying around in it. And so if you can acquire one by trading a guy that does not play on Sundays, that you don't want to play on Sundays, if you can trade that guy to acquire a pick to draft someone that will then hopefully start and play on Sundays, to me, I would do it if Minnesota was calling. Now, this is all hypothetical. We have not heard anything about Andy Dalton, but he does fit the bill of one of the best backup QBs. We saw him throw for over 300 yards against Seattle, and so Andy Dalton would be that kind of guy. Yeah, if there was something valuable you could get in return. Finally, what you got, Fiddy? We got a trade in the NFL with the aforementioned Minnesota Vikings. They are trading for Cardinals quarterback Josh Dobbs, according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. Amazing. Here we are talking about it. And yep. Andy Dalton now not going to be traded to the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, NFL gods, we got it. We won't talk about it anymore. Instead, <laughs> we'll talk about Josh Dobbs. But weird, just real quickly here, Wes, what does this mean for Arizona and Kyler Murray? Uh, I think Kyler Murray's going to step back in. I know they said he was close to playing this past Sunday, so I think he's going to step back in the saddle and finish out the quest for uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May and Marvin Harrison Jr. I was, was really interested to see if the Cardinals were going to trade Kyler Murray. Yeah, just rock was, with. They were talking about that as well. Josh Dobbs. So yeah, interesting. All right, there's the trade right there. Vikings trade for Josh Dobbs, and we don't have the details on what Arizona gets in return. I wonder how high that QB, even if he's a backup, he was starting for you. And the Cardinals, 
did not look all that bad, despite their record being pretty terrible. Yeah, Dobbs really had made a lot of money for himself and yeah. added more to his reputation with the way that he's been playing this year. I mean, eight touchdowns, five interceptions, it's nothing that crazy, but you like the 63% passing. And I think he's a guy that could come in and be that game manager that they're looking for. And then hopefully when they get Justin Jefferson back, they feel like that they can go on a run. All right, let's not spoil any more content that could be used in the Fitty Flash. Let's go to the second one of the day. Fitty. Got some Hornet news going into our conversation with Terrence Oglesby. The Charlotte Hornets are declining the fourth-year option on the 2021 number 11 pick, James Booknight. Yeah, that draft uh, officially is not very good. A fit like official stamp, seal it, it's done. James Booknight, Kai Jones, one option not picked up, another guy released before the season started, and this is just two years into their career, barely into the third for James. I can remember two years ago a promo running on the station of Kyle Bailey claiming they won the draft. After drafting James Booknight, trading up to get Kai Jones, fast forward a little over two years later, neither one of them have a long-term future in Charlotte. Yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, it just didn't work out. This was a bad draft pick. Uh, From the beginning, James Booknight, like I said, hopefully he can figure out that this is his wake-up call and that he could become a pro and mature himself because his time in Charlotte was not much at all. Nothing memorable. Kyle Bailey, not the only one, by the way. Lots of positive grades on lots of basketball yeah. publications that liked what Charlotte did in that draft, getting Book Knight and Kai Jones, but Book Knight did not have his fourth-year option picked up by the team. We'll move on. Let's talk more about the Charlotte Hornets, their loss last night, but the nice performance from Brandon Miller. Terrence Oglesby makes his weekly visit coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ talking about the Charlotte Hornets. Some good with the rookies' performance, some bad with the rest of the team's performance. Kind of, at least. Maybe somebody else can help us talk a little more about it on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's Terrence Oglesby, Hornets analyst on Bally Sports South. He joins us once more to discuss Charlotte and their performance last night. Terrence, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, gentlemen. How are you guys feeling? We're doing well. We appreciate you hopping on once more. We've talked a lot over the last few days. Lots of Hornets basketball, but that's the way the NBA season works. We always have a new game to discuss. I want to start with the positive first. Brandon Miller with a new career high and just his third game ever to start his career. 20 points, almost a double-double, nine rebounds. Steve Clifford said he played well offensively. Terrence, what did you think about the rookies uh, outing against the Nets? Really good offensively and really good defensively for the first 42 minutes. I think that would be the big thing. He gave up some easy ones uh, towards the end of the game. But, gosh, how impressed can you be with how this young man's playing? What is he, 19 years old or whatever he is? I mean, just so talented, long, athletic, can score at all three levels. Has really shot the ball well, right at 44% from three through three games and he's leading all rookies in scoring so and there's been no chatter about potential rookie of the year if this continues i don't see how you ignore him and i understand 
you've gotten off to a less than what you've wanted start, but at the same time, there have been bright spots. And the biggest one of them all has been Brandon Miller. No, it's clearly Brandon. And, and this it's not even just, especially what he did in the first half last night, scoring 16, Crazy. but especially what he did even in the first two games of his NBA career. Now, the rest of the team, uh, Terrence, it looked like the five-out offense really hurt uh, Charlotte, especially with Mark Williams in there. I, I know Steve Clifford said, we can't just have teams go small and kill us like that. They eventually went to P.J. Washington at center. I thought he did a pretty good job. What did you make of the matchup? Five out, no Nick Claxton for Brooklyn, and still trying to go with Mark Williams out there. You know what? It, it, they pretty much abandoned it. But here's the problem. Mark Williams goes eight for eight. He goes 16 points. I think he had eight boards or something like that. And then at the same time, I, I didn't necessarily think he was the problem in the first half. The problem in the first half was that first quarter with all those fast break points. And it was live ball turnovers, a couple of bad shots. But more than anything, it was the first play of the game was a great draw up by Steve Clifford and PJ Washington misses an easy one. Then they, and what happens is, is if you're missing easy ones, you're out of position to get back and get in front of the basketball. So they had guards miss layups and then they're trying to get back and then they're already out of spots that they need to be in simply because they've missed the layups, ended up on the floor. They're not getting back. So that's one problem. Another thing is, is they're having a hard time, you know, the, the rotations in Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is almost back to where he was at, at his peak. Uh, and I know that's a big statement, but all that being said, like, he started this chain of reaction for the Brooklyn Nets that turned out to be really difficult to defend simply because Brooklyn was playing against closeouts all night. There was never really a set defense, and as a result, for the first three quarters, it made it really hard for some of these rotations, especially for a bigger player like a Mark Williams. So he struggled on that end of the floor because of all those rotations, and therefore it just made it really difficult for the Hornets to keep him on the floor. Terrence, West Bryan here. When you look at this Hornets team, they're second currently in the NBA in pace, but dead last in three-point shooting. What do you see are some of the ills that they've been having shooting the basketball? Is it shot selection? Is it uh, flaws in maybe the, the offensive scheme that they're running and not doing it properly? Like, what are you seeing right now? Well, they take a good amount of bad ones. And a lot of this is coming down to, hey, LaMelo's your creator, and LaMelo still is trying to find his way in, right? He only became cleared, what, a month ago? I think Steve Clifford said he's still trying to find his rhythm, and I think that's going to come with time. Uh, as far as the rest of the guys are concerned, it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, P.J. Washington has not shot the ball well at all, uh, especially from beyond the arc. He had a great first game, and ever since then, it's like you're kind of waiting to see and you're wanting more. And I think eventually they're going to get more accustomed to each other and how they play. But it, it, there's going to come a time where, hey, if you don't knock down shots, you're not going to have the opportunity to move forward. And Terry Rozier, you expect him to pick it up. He's only shooting 20% so far. P.J. Washington either needs to hit shots or stop shooting them. And uh, LaMelo just needs more rhythm. So I think it has more to do with that. Some of these guys you expect to make shots, J.T. Thor being one of them, you want him to be in the mid-30s. He's only hitting a fourth of his right now. They're getting decent shots. Eventually, you're just going to have to knock them down and let the rust kind of just fall where it may because now you're going into game four on the road tomorrow against Houston, a team that defensively has some guys that are really tough, and you've got to have those other guys make shots, especially when you're able to create. And Terrence, when you look at LaMelo Ball, and like you said, you know that eventually he will come out of this slump. But what do you think? How worried should fans be? Because this is a big year for LaMelo. So when do you anticipate that he could maybe start to find that rhythm? 
You know, it's hard. I think when everything becomes routine again, and I know that might be a loaded statement that, that puts a lot of ambiguity in my answer, but when it becomes routine again to where it's not where Lamelo's like, all right, I'm back, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go, and when it's like, okay, we have a game on Thursday, what do I do? Are we back in the routine? I, I don't feel the pressure that I did now that I do, did you know at the beginning of the season. I think that's what kind of where it's at. And his balance isn't quite there. Uh, you know, there's a lot to be said, guys. Like, he's 6'7", 195, 200 pounds or something like that. He's getting bumped around off his spots. Now, I do like the fact that he's trying to attack the rim a little bit more. You saw that against Detroit. But it's it's going to take time, especially for somebody like LaMelo, who's unorthodox in his approach anyway. He's all rhythm and all feel, so it's going to take him some time. I would think five to ten games just to where everything becomes routine once more. That is Terrence Oglesby joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, giving us some of the feedback, some of the recap from the Hornets' three-game start to the season. Of course, you can find him on Bally Sports South as the Hornets' live analyst. Terrence, it's always fun, man. We appreciate you hopping on once more. Thanks, Terrence. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, once more, Terrence Oglesby hopping on here. We did get some texts coming in. Our guy, Bagel Guy, writes in, you know who does shoot well? Our guy, Kelly Oubre. 980. Ah, yes. P.J. Washington, the great inconsistency. Yeah, I was honestly, I, I really was kind of surprised to hear that from from Terrence about P.J. He only missed, two, he only took three three-pointers, only missed uh, two of them. But Also, 33% is a good shooting percentage. No, it's not. No, okay. it's not. But he only took three. And so when you're talking about um, LaMelo, that's the one that's really hurting, though. Like we, LaMelo is your superstar. Somebody else wrote it on the text line, too. Lamelo's your superstar, and when he's playing this bad, if you're a mid-market team that invested $200 million and that guy isn't performing very well right now, you're going to lose basketball games. Yeah. I'm glad they have one that they have <laughs> against Atlanta, despite Lamelo also not shooting really well. Wes, how simple is it just dwindling it down to when Lamelo hits shots, this team will figure it out, or are there some real other issues outside of their star player? Oh, no doubt about it, because the defense, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. something that still... Uh, hasn't improved when you look at them they are in the you know under they're below average when you talk about defensive rating in the NBA so that's an issue that's still going to be there and then like the things that he was talking about with LaMelo and it's kind of what I had said earlier about LaMelo you don't see a lot of changes in his body you wonder how much you know he's working on getting that body stronger so that he can take that uh, that beating in the paint and be able to get that contact and go in there and get shots and that's part of the reason why he probably doesn't go in there and absorb contact, and Terrence talked about it, him getting bumped off his spots and not uh, being physical and getting to the line, and I think that's also hurting him because you talk about a guy that's coming back from injury when when you're pretty much a jump shooting and a guy that shoots a lot of low percentage shots from distance, it's going to be hard for you to find that rhythm when you're not getting to the cup mm-hmm. and getting easy baskets to get you in that rhythm. Yeah, we'll get to the live wire in just a moment. I did want to say, though, like I had to look up what Kelly Oubre was doing in the last oh. couple of games. <laughs> Bagel guy said, you know who does shoot well? Our guy, Kelly Oubre. First night, five of six from beyond the arc. Do you know what he has shot since then in the last two games? He's 0 of 10. Wow. O of six, O of four. It's the Uber experience. How dare you? <laughs> yes, Lagreca. The Lagreca sound bites hit every single time. It really doesn't matter which one you play. Loved the it Don Lagreca sound bites. <laughs> All right, let's go to the last hour. Two o'clock coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ.